What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamanBaseballFan.com. Uh, I wanted to basically kind of go over a tell a nice little story uh, that has a lot of ups and downs into it, and uh, it's it's really kind of one of the best, if not the best, deal I've ever made. And it's kind of fun every now and then to uh, to talk about them, you know, about the wins that we have. Uh, but along with this win comes several losses that I'll talk about as well. And so. Uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll probably yawn and be bored to tears at some point also. So <laughs> we will, we will roll with it. We will roll with it. So if you've been following my story or my journey, I guess in this hobby uh, for any amount of time, you will know a number of things. Number one, I was a massive Canseco super collector, uh, that I sold out eventually and then came back and decided to uh, keep and accumulate uh, other Canseco cards, but only my favorites, only the best of the best I really wanted. The ones that like really caught my eye, which meant that, you know, 99 out of 100 times, if a new card was released, I'm probably not interested. Um, and in doing so, I have been able to explore a number of different avenues of this hobby, which has been great. I've uh, really enjoyed it. Three areas in particular um, we'll focus on, and number one is the wax boxes. Uh, I had a nice run of FASC wax boxes from a sealed case wax boxes. Um, I bought them at a time when they were cheaper. I sold them shortly thereafter to double or triple my money, which is good news. Bad news is, is before COVID when I sold them, so I could have gone double or triple again if I just held onto them or maybe quadruple, like they went crazy in pricing. So can't complain, but there's a lot of money that's left on the table. Um, I loved them. I really did, but they took so much space. Like you can have an entire cubby full of an 85, 86 and 87 tops, uh, box run and that's it, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I got rid of those and I figured eh, if I want to, I can go back into it. And so looking at prices now, I go, it's, uh, they're, they're really expensive. Uh, the other thing I did was I got into vintage and let me stop right now by telling you, you know, there's a little bit of method to my madness, you know, and I, I don't just go after everything willy nilly. Like I, I researched the heck out of whatever niche that interests me, I buy at a price where I know that I can make money off of it if I want to get out of it. And uh, then I kind of chisel down from there. So for example, uh, if I'm going after vintage cards, and this is what I did, I bought a little bit of everything. Old judge cards, T206 cards, cards from the 50s, cards from the 60s, and so on and so forth. I realized that I'm not really a big fan of too terribly many cards in the 50s or 60s. Uh, old Judge, I only like a few of the players, same with T206. So uh, going on that buying spree was a huge learning uh, curve for me as far as what I liked and what I didn't like. And, and furthermore, what I was white hot passionate about. I found out that through that time that I was very specific in what I liked. I liked the low grade, high eye appeal, uh, best players, Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Honest Wagner, uh, you know, those guys. And, you know, for the 19th century, uh, King Kelly, Cap Anson, uh, so on and so forth. So um, in doing that, I ended up buying a number of cards that I liked and thought I liked and uh, found out that, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and sell this in one big lot. So I ended up selling all my vintage. 
including a 52 tops mantle that was in there, uh, which by the way, that was like a crazy trip to have one of those cards. Uh, I sold them and I made a little bit of money. And once again, can't complain, but COVID and those cards went crazy in price. So I could have made a whole lot more money. <laughs> and so it's like, no, again, I made a little bit, but I could have made a whole lot bit <laughs> if I just had, if I just hung on. Um, but there's more to the story. So the third thing I did was I got into PSA graded cards from the eighties during my childhood, uh, as well as all the way up to recent. So I had PSA grade rookies of Ripken and, you know, Boggs and Clemens and Bo Jackson, Mark McGuire, uh, you know, just Ryan Sandberg, Don Mattingly, Daryl Strawberry, all these guys, even all the way up to Acuna, Bellinger, Yelich. And so obviously a couple of those guys have kind of fallen off. Um, but uh, ultimately what I realized uh, fairly quickly uh, was I didn't really have an excitement to collecting these cards. Like, you know, let's say for instance, an A7 Donruss PSA 10 Mark McGuire Ray Rookie. I love that card, but I don't think I love it so much to have a PSA 10 copy right now, at least over having a raw copy in the binder. So I ended up selling, and by the way, all those PSA stacks of cards I had were just like, you know, on my shelf. I'm thinking, well, why, why do I have these then? Like if I don't really, <laughs> if I'm not even looking at them, not enjoying them and I like the raw versions just as much, why not just do that? Uh, I would rather take that money um, into those, having a perfect copy of those and, and just, uh, you know, get a raw copy and put the other money towards some cards that are really rare, some hard to find things, some high end that I really like. And so that's kind of what I decided to do. Uh, a couple of the cards I had also were big ticket items. So the 89 Upper Deck Griffey PSA 10, I bought for 450. I ended up ultimately selling for 500. I was okay with making 50 bucks and then, you know, COVID. <laughs> and it's now, I think, selling for close to 2000. So, I mean, that was, that was a bummer. Another one um, was a 2011 Tops PSA 10 Diamond Mike Trout. You know, yikes, right? Well, not necessarily because that is actually one card. I think it probably is the only card uh, that I decide to hold back on. I was waffling back and forth. Should I sell this or not? And so I said, oh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and keep it. Uh, let me talk about this card a little bit first. Um, I uh, actually ended up buying it from a guy that I know that I had done a couple custom projects for and he had a couple of them. And we went back and forth on price probably for a week or two, I think. I was thinking, nah, I don't want to get this. It's a lot of money. It was $2,500 at the time. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. I just have a feeling with this card. I just got a feeling that something, uh, that there's something special about this. And so $2,500, I ended up buying it. I got it in hand. And I go, my goodness gracious, this card is beautiful. And the funny thing about putting a lot of money into a single card of a player is you automatically become a fan of that player, right? So you're paying much more attention to what he's doing on the field and off the field at that point. And so I was looking and, and you know, scouring over the, 
the scores and, and the stats and everything. And, you know, so if he's hitting a couple home runs, uh, you know, the night before or whatever, then, you know, guess what? I'm really excited about it. All right, go Trout. That's my boy, you know, and all that. And then if he struck out three times, oh no, this is terrible. Is this his downfall? <laughs> and so it's kind of fun. If you want to get super passionate about, about baseball or a certain player, Put a bunch of money into that uh, player's cards, and you'll you'll get about as passionate as you can get. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I I enjoyed it. It was a great ride because that card went from twenty five hundred to three thousand to four thousand to five thousand to six thousand, and so right around the time it started getting around six thousand, uh, Mike Trout got injured, and I remember some people were talking about like, oh, maybe he. Uh, has gotten, uh, you know, busted for steroid use or whatever. We're going to find out soon. And so I panicked because I had a lot of money into this card. I was enjoying seeing it, it rise in value pretty rapidly. Um, but I said, you know what? I'm going to tap out because if it goes back down to 2,500 or lower, I'm just going to be really bummed. So uh, I end up putting it for sale on eBay. Uh, I think I probably put for 6,000 or best offer or 6,500 or best offer. And uh, it sits there, it sits there, it sits there uh, for an entire afternoon. And I go, nope, I can't sell it. I shut it down. Mike Trout comes back and he uh, is on a tear again. And the card goes to 7,000, to 8,000, to 9,000, to 10,000. I'm thinking, oh my goodness gracious, I've got a $10,000 card here and it's not even like 10 years old at this point. Uh, this is wild. Now I know there's a lot of people out there that you know, are flashing these cards, especially even you know basketball and football. They're just like insane money, right? You know, and, and so this was my little, this is my little taste of it. And so, uh, you know, this is kind of the main card that I had. Um, I kept back a few other vintage cards. And I was basically kind of, uh, you know, picking these little vintage cards I liked after I fine tuned what my tastes were in vintage. Uh, so I was, I was picking off cards one at a time, um, of what I really wanted. But as far as modern goes, this was the trout stuck out like a sore thumb, a very beautiful sore thumb, I guess. I mean, cause it's just a ridiculously gorgeous card. And, uh, so anyways, I end up doing this and, uh, and so I find somebody, um, I don't even remember how it was just on Facebook, just, you know, scrolling and I see somebody posting a 52 tops Mickey Mantle. I go, Oh man, it was, it was beautiful. It was, uh, it was, it was graded a one had a little bit of paper loss on the front, but it was, uh, mainly on the border on the edge or something. And so it was very, is very unobtrusive. The eye appeal was just off the charts. I mean, it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous card. Uh, decent centering. I don't know if there were any creases or wrinkles or whatever. I don't think there were. Um, it was that nice of a card. It was just like jaw dropping, like light years ahead of the one that I had previously gotten rid of. And so I struck up a conversation with him. I was like, Hey, are you looking to sell this or what are you doing? It's just kind of a, you know, throwing up a Hail Mary, just seeing what, you know, if anything could happen with this, like, you know, let's see. And so I started talking to him and uh, he said, yeah, you know, um, I would consider possibly selling, maybe trading. I don't know. And so he's telling me about some of the players he likes and 
uh, you know, as far as vintage goes, I was like, well, I don't really have anything vintage that I want to get rid of. Um, I love uh, this, the vintage that I have, but very least just wanted to reach out and say, hey, listen, that's a that's a great looking, uh, you know, card you have. And, you know, here's what I do have. And he's like, yeah, I don't really have an interest in this card uh, or in any of the things that you have, Tanner. I go, okay, well, that's all right. And I said, well, you know, I do have like this, this uh, Mike Trout. And he looks at me and he goes, hey, so maybe we can talk. And I go, wait, what? This guy is looking at possibly trading a 52 tops mantle for a Mike Trout. It's like, okay. Um, and so we get on the phone. We actually talk through it. Real nice guy. You know, got along real nice with him. And, and uh, you know, good talking with him and everything. And uh, so... Uh, ultimately we started floating around the idea over the next day or two, like what if, uh, we did a trade where he sends me the mantle and I send him the trout in $4,000 cash. And I'm thinking, man, there's no way this is going to go through because at that point I would have $6,500 into this mantle and granted it was only graded one. Um, and at the time that was you know pretty fair market value for it, but the eye appeal was so off the charts, I thought that I could do even better with it. And uh, so sure enough, uh, we end up striking the deal and then I start getting nervous about a couple things. Number one, um, is this guy legit? I don't know who he is. He, you know, I talked to him, he seemed nice, but you just never know. You just don't know with people online, right? So uh, number two, what if this card's fake and he doesn't even know it? So. I did research and it was kind of funny is he told me that he dropped it off. He was from a small town and he said that he worked across the street from the post office. And, and so uh, he ended up uh, telling me that he dropped off. And so I ended up Googling the post office number that was across the street from him. And I asked if he, if somebody by his name dropped it off and they go, Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. He, he just dropped off a few minutes ago. Um, I go, okay, good. So at least he's doing what he said he did. And so I consulted with a buddy that knows a lot about these 52 mantles and to make sure that it was real. So it finally came in and yep, like I was, I lost sleep over this guy's like, I was <laughs> like, oh man, you know, I can't wait for this card uh, to get in. And what if it's a fake and like, he's got my money and my trout and you know, what if this, that, and the other, but it comes in and it is gorgeous. It is real. And I'm thinking, man, this is an amazing, amazing card. I thought I was never going to see a 52 tops mantle again in my collection. And I'm looking at this, I go, so I know I've got 6,500 into this thing. And, you know, basically the market value is 14,500 what I have into it because the trout was at 10,000, was worth 10,000 around that time. And which by the way, it still is, I think around that, around that right now also. And then the 4,000 cash. And so I go, hmm, this is, do I really need to be having this big of a card in my collection? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a massive deal, obviously. I mean, it's like the, the Mona Lisa of post-war baseball cards. And everybody dreams about having a 52 tops mantle. And so, especially one in that condition, it was just incredible. So, uh, so I have it and within a week, I mean, I write an article about, it, I do a YouTube video. Hey, I traded a trout for mantle and really excited about it. And I said, you know what? I did what Tanner does all the time. I put it up for sale <laughs> just to see what's out there and, and get bites and everything. And, 
uh, I think I put it up for like 18,500 or 19,000 or something. And people actually start biting. And I go, huh. And I was thinking about doing a deal with one guy. And I said, ultimately, you know, I'm sorry. I just can't. I just got this card. I normally buy and sell things, but this card particularly, I just feel like I need to hang on to it at least for a little bit. And he goes, okay, well, I'm disappointed, but I understand it's a beautiful card. Please let me know if you decide to move it in the future. Okay. All right. So I decide um, it's going to stick with me for a while. I take it off uh, offline and I just enjoy the heck out of it. I just think it's the, the neatest card ever. Um, and I really, uh, you know, truly just, just love it. And so I'm, uh, I have it on my shelf and I basically look at it every day and, and all that. And then, so COVID hits obviously. And so the prices are going crazy on everything that I had already sold previously. <laughs> but as I'm doing this, I'm slowly building up my vintage collection and I'm enjoying, uh, seeing price hikes in everything that I've bought as well. So, you know, it was, I don't want to say it was a wash necessarily. I think actually, you know, did come out ahead, but had a lot of losses along the way. Um, but, uh, anyways, ultimately about a year later, and I can talk about this stuff now, I think, because this, uh, all this stuff happened, oh, I'd have to check. I think probably a couple of years ago. Um, but anyways, uh, a little while longer, um, or, or a year later, the guy that, that was considering doing a deal at 19,000 or whatever it was, uh, reached out and was like, Hey, I think, and by the way, during this whole year, I had people asking me all the time. Is it for sale? Is it for sale? Would you trade? And I go, eh, no, I don't think so. Thanks. Appreciate it. And, you know, people are throwing offers up and uh, I'm like, no, I don't think so. I think I'm just going to keep it. And <laughs> yeah, I just want to hang on to it and enjoy it. And really love that card. I just really love the 52 mail. And so uh, anyways, the same guy reaches out about a year. And so he goes, hey, Tanner, I think you know why I'm writing you. I go, hey, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you reaching out, but no, still not for sale, assuming you're looking for the 52 mantle. He goes, yeah, but this time I'm uh, willing to to put down quite a bit more money on it. Uh, you know, the market's changed, obviously. I want to get a deal done. I go, well, I mean, I am never one to tell somebody no when it comes to them making an offer on something. I'm always open guys. Like, by the way, if I've got a card that you want, if you want to make an offer, I'm always open to listening. But most of the time that means it's not gonna happen unless you know you do something crazy or whatever and you really want the card. So um, I said, you know, this guy was at 19,000 or something like that a year ago. Uh, I don't see how anywhere near that is gonna, you know, move this card from my hand, so. Anyways, he ultimately says, I'm prepared to give you 50,000. Oh, whoa. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> I was, uh, I was just, I was floored. And I go, did you say $50,000? He goes, yeah, $50,000. I go, hmm. Well, we have to sleep on that one. So I start, you know, thinking about it, talk it over with, uh, uh, with my family and I go, man, this is, this is tough. It's a, it's a card that I might never see again, in my collection, but this would be, this might just be a stupid, uh, move for me to say no to this. And, uh, you know, that's, 
I've been put in that position a handful of times where somebody's making an offer on a card where I think, you know, I love this card way more than the cash, but it would be foolish of me to keep it um, based on what somebody's offering. So, you know, I, I uh, was thinking about really hard for about a day or two. It's like, hey, just want to check in. What are your thoughts? And I go, well, I ended up, you know, getting on the phone with him. And so we ended up agreeing on $51,500. And so I wanted to get a little higher uh, than what he offered. And $1,500 was actually really just kind of like a, what the heck, let's do this. You know, let's put this in just to get it done. And I, I started thinking, man, that $1,500, like, that little throw-in for this little piece of cardboard was the cost of my first car back in the late 90s. Um, you know, 85 Camaro uh, V6. I mean, just uh, I love that car to death. But thinking how a piece of cardboard as a throw-in, I mean, just that was, was absolutely nutty to me. So we ended up doing this deal. And uh, <laughs> I just was shocked. And so, you know, he actually met his... His uh, buddy, it was almost like a, like a, it felt like a drug deal kind of thing, you know, doing the, doing the trade and, and, you know, being nervous that this was going to be something that could go sideways or something or what, but, you know, ultimately it worked out fine. And I go, man, I can't believe I just did a deal uh, of that magnitude. I know there's a lot of people out there listening that, you know, they're like, well, it's not really that big of a deal or whatever. Well, that is to me, you know, it's a, that's a heck of a deal. Um, heck of a big deal for sure. And so, uh, uh, especially, you know, considering I had 6,500 into it and, you know, within a, a year or two, it was up to 51.5. And so that's one of the times, uh, one of the handful of times, like I said, that I sold a card that I really didn't want to, but would feel foolish if I didn't. So, uh, the aftermath, um, am I glad I sold it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, how can you not be glad as far as, you know, getting the that kind of cash for for something? I mean, the investment was proved uh, proved to be very good, but, you know, I'm obviously really missing the mantle. Uh, you know, I wish I had another one, but, you know, I think I probably, that one might have soured me off to uh, many others. Uh, I actually came close to pulling the trigger uh, on one that Kit Young was selling. I spoke to Kit about it. And as we were talking, I think it ended up selling <laughs> to somebody else, um, which is okay, uh, which is fine. I've uh, I've done a number of other things with the money and uh, I think I've done some, made some wise moves. But, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of fun to, uh, to think about that, you know, at any given time, there could be some wild things that happen in this hobby. And, uh, you know, even going back to that initial uh, vintage run that I had, I, I was not planning on selling my vintage collection from a couple of years ago. Uh, and then within a weekend, just the right circumstances happened and somebody bought everything, you know? And so this happens every now and then. And it's kind of, kind of a fun thing because what that means is, yeah, you're missing a bunch of like really cool cards, but then you also have the ability to go on the hunt again. And I've talked about the hunt before in the past where, that's a really a lot of the fun in this hobby is to be able to look and find deals and see what else is out there. Um, yeah, I, th I think and I'll have to check my notes, but I think one of the pieces uh, that I got was the 1887 Gypsy Queen uh, King Kelly. 
And uh, if you have not heard the story about this card, like, yeah, it's it's incredible. It is a uh, it is an amazing, amazing card with an amazing uh, backstory um, of, you know, one of the rarest cards of the most famous baseball player from the 19th century. Um, and it's great condition and everything. It's probably one of my higher conditioned, uh, high, higher graded cards as far as uh, vintage goes. So I think it's, uh, let me take a look. I think it's uh, SGC4. So um, yeah, I normally go for like lower, uh, lower numerical grades with a higher eye appeal. So anyways, um, but yeah, that's my story for my biggest uh, deal that I can think of it as far as a single card goes. Um, it was great. It was obviously great. It was a fun thing. And and obviously, in order to get there, I had to, uh, you know, suffer through seeing a lot of cards I had sold pre-COVID uh, for what they could have gone for. But you know, in the end, I think I I think I did pretty darn well. So uh, but anyway, so that's the story of the fifty-two tops mantle that I used to have, which I no longer do. But you know, I've got some really you know cool things in in, in its place. And uh, sad I don't have the card, but uh, you know, very thankful for how it turned out. And uh, yeah, so there it is. So I guess that's uh, the moral of the story is, I guess, never be afraid to listen to other people's uh, offers on uh, on your cards, no matter how immovable they may be. So anyways, I uh, hope that was a little bit of an entertaining story for you guys. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of the day.